You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Inflation, recession, stagflation. Just what the hell is going on? Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to another Real Vision podcast. So, what the hell is going on? We all want to know. Here at Real Vision, we've debuted a special series called Global Recession Is Everyone Wrong? We've called on the world's best experts, including Juliette DeClerc, David Rosenberg, Peter Zihan, Pierre Anderan, and many more, to try and help us make sense of things. These real experts will be giving Real Vision members in depth, long form analysis on the real stuff that's happening. And best of all, you can get access to all 14 days of Global Recession Is Everyone Wrong for just $1. Yep, $1. So head over to realvision.com slash global recession. That's realvision.com slash global recession to join us on this epic two-week journey of discovery. Hello and welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Thursday, May 26, 2022. I'm Maggie Lake and here with me today is Tony Greer, editor of the Morning Navigator newsletter. Hey there, Tony. We're hanging in there. We, we were just saying it's sort of every day this week feels like Friday because at least in the U.S. here, we're headed into a holiday weekend. But there's been a lot of action to kind of keep us plugged in to what's happening in the markets because they've been all over the place. I mean, we have stocks rallying today, the Nasdaq putting in a gain of it looks like about 2.7%, the S&P up 2%. The 10 years kind of been a little bit all over the place today, getting uh, the yield getting up to 2.78, now back down to 2.75. So a small range, but moving around, oil's up. I don't know when you take a look, but you know this has been a market that's it's up for two days and they're rallying and then it's selling off really sharply and individual stocks are making big moves. You know, what, do, what do you, what's your take on what's going on? Um. Well, it looks like we're experiencing a little retracement rally today, led by a lot of the sectors that are down pretty big on the year. You know, last week we uh, we shot consumer stocks. Last week we shot consumer discretionary and consumer staples. They both fell eight percent last week, which is a huge move. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we came out this week and we shot Snapchat on Monday. Right. We had already shot Facebook. We wounded Amazon. Google can't find a bid. We try to shoot NVIDIA in the pre-market this morning and realize that the tech bears are out of bullets and have nobody left to shoot before the week is over. So what <laughs> happens is in the absence of that, what you have is this nice retracement rally on the screens that we have now led by all of the garbage that's getting slaughtered on the year. Um, you know, right on the top of the leaderboard today, you know, we've got um <clears throat> Home builders are up 4% today. They're down 27% year to date. Um, they're getting a boost from yields, 30-year yields falling below 3%. That's the uh, a, the biggest drop in mortgage yields since uh, April 2020. More, uh, U.S. mortgage rates fell to 5.1% today. Um, we've got situations like, you know, everything that's been battered on the year that's just rising to the top today. And so it's a retracement rally. It probably goes on for a little while as sentiment is really negative down here. And on top of all of the things that are down on the year that are rallying, 
this week you've got a huge rally in natural resources, you know, with XOP, oil and gas up 10%. Um, XME is up 8% this week, having a huge, huge technical move today above its 100-day moving average in, in breakout regalia. So when you've got the uh, the weakest sectors of the year rallying sharply alongside the strongest sectors of the year that are rallying sharply, you know, you get the all positive results that we're seeing, you know, come to light as the week comes to a close ahead of Memorial Day weekend. So we may have yeah. found a low in the short term and maybe have a little bit of a bounce. Uh, but I think tech earnings have proved that there are monsters around the corner and yeah. that this inflation story is actually starting to bite bottom lines. And I think that that's the kind of thing that you have to be on the lookout for going forward. A lot of these names are in bear market territory. And as you know, that's when you see the steep dislocations and the um, you know broken windows and accidents that we're seeing all over the tape, like Snapchat, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's a great point, Tony, because it's, it's sort of hard to gauge and you feel like we, we've talked so much about inflation and that that issue of um, what's it going to do to to earnings, right? Are we going to have to have a rethink? Uh, seem to really be driving things. And now we we have been talking about growth a lot. You know, you see the yield, the bond yields moving and everyone seems to have pivoted from being worried about high inflation to worried about growth and recession. Uh, what sh- what seems like it's driving here? Is it both? Or should we be focused on inflation? Are you concerned about growth? Well, we should be focused on inflation because I think that's the 800-pound gorilla in the room that's going to start breaking shit and not going away. Um, I still feel like the Fed is drastically behind the curve of addressing this commodity inflation. I would say that, you know, that that minus one and a half percent GDP stink burger that we got that got everybody thinking about stagflation you know, kicking in right away. I think that was a sort of shot across the economic bow. And I think that's fair. That sh- that sort of stopped the bond sell off dead in its tracks. And so you see this mini tiny retracement in the bond market. You see rates a little bit lower. And now everybody's talking about the prospects of the growth stocks again. So we'll see if that's what happens. But my, my sense is that um, we're going to continue to take a lot more value out of technology and that the commodity sector is literally just getting started rallying. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because it, it is this this push and pull, and there are definitely um, a lot of different opinions about this. There's a there's a really really lively debate, and and you know there are kind of camps forming around it, if you want to call it that. Ralph sat down with Kathy Wood, founder and CEO of Arc Investment Management. I'm sure many of you recognize her name, um, and they discussed among many other things this exact issue, the outlook for economic growth. Let's have a listen to that clip. When consumer confidence drops, and we're at 0809 lows, think about that. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, consumer sentiment in the United States, which is the best economy around, is uh, has dropped to a level. It's gone below COVID, and back to 0809. And remember, think about this difference. 0809, uh, people were losing jobs a million a month. We're creating jobs 400, 500,000 per month. They were losing their homes back then. They were losing their autos. And the world was worried that the financial system was going to implode. Consumer sentiment is back down to that level. And I think it is the consumer railing against the loss of purchasing power that this commodity price surge has caused. 
And I do think it's causing demand destruction. What I find so interesting is real GDP dropped in the first quarter here in the United States, dropped 1.4%. And what I'm seeing from strategists and others who are sure that inflation is baked in the cake and they're short bonds, uh, they're short equities. I feel a lot are catering to the hedge funds that are short. And, you know, they're saying, Nominal statistics are rising. Interest rates will continue to go up. And uh, I, I, I'm shocked that they don't look at a GDP decline and say, okay, we're halfway to a recession now. A recession is defined by two consecutive quarters of declining real GDP. And that, of course, is just one of the many topics they tackled. The full interview airs tomorrow and is available to Essential Plus and Pro members on our website. And I know that folks who agree with Kathy's views and disagree with some of her thoughts um, are really going to want to check that out. I'm just going to tease ahead to Rouse Live on uh, Real Bridge and uh, Daily Briefing tomorrow as well. So it's going to be a really interesting day. Bring your questions. Bring your debates. Um, so, Tony, I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Uh, I would have some light pushback, I think, um, against some of the things Kathy said. You know, she she brings up that, you know, the market's short bonds and short equities. Well, you know, bonds are off 20 percent year to date. Stocks, the S&P is off 15 percent. So they've got it right, you know, for the for the most part so far. And then just in terms of demand destruction, you know, we've seen gasoline demand push right back to pre-lockdown levels. And that's sort of the driving force of this energy rally that we're seeing in crude oil. Um, you know, the diesel fuel predicament is real because the demand has drawn on all the stocks that we have, you know, and we're currently at a level where um, distillate fuel oil stocks are at 107 million barrels versus pre-lockdown average of 133 million. Distillate stocks are at 22 million barrels, which is half the pre-lockdown average of 44 million. We've got crack spreads blowing out because gasoline, jet fuel, and diesel demand is quite inelastic right now. And we've got refiners that can pay almost anything for a barrel of crude oil because the crack spread has blown out to $45. So there are some signs that there are uh, there is demand still in various portions of the economy driving the energy sector. Um, and when the calendar spreads are as firm as they are now, you know, driving price, I just feel like there's still more inflationary um, non-demand destruction activity to come. You know, I don't feel like anybody's not taking a trip because of $5 at the pump gasoline. Now, if we get to $8 at the pump gasoline during driving season, that may be a different story. But right now, demand is inelastic to this price move in energy because everybody still needs the jet fuel, the diesel fuel, and that tank of gas at the prices that are on the board right now. So yeah. it's diff It's a different view, and I, I respect her view as well. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. 
Tony, I'm curious, like, you know, when we see those bond yields coming in, I think a lot of people say, like, the bond market's trying to tell us something. But I know you watch commodity prices really closely. What are they telling us? I mean, how, how are you looking at the dynamics between these asset markets and who feels like it's leading? Yeah, good question. Really good question, Maggie. I sent over uh, a chart today that shows um, the Bloomberg Commodities Index versus five-year break-evens. And what's good about it is that the commodity, it shows how the commodity index in white very much was leading the break-evens higher. Essentially, that's a measure of inflation expectations. So the measure of inflation expectations had been looking at the commodity markets and saying, okay, we've got to tick higher here to account for what's going on. All of a sudden, as stagflation bites into the sort of narrative we're seeing five-year break-evens dramatically separate from the commodity rally. And I am, of the, you know, meant a lot of the street is of the opinion that commodities are going to catch up to the break-evens and, and really pull back sharply because of that demand destruction that Kathy is looking for. I rather contend that commodity markets are so tight right now that they're going to leg higher and inflation expectations are going to have no choice but to sort of bounce higher and connect back up with those and get back in sync with the commodity rally. So we don't know the answer to that question right now, but I feel like the conditions in the commodity rally with the tightness of the markets and energy, with this natural gas rally that almost traded 950 this morning as Europe tries to fill their tanks, you know, a lot of this leads me to believe that there's still a lot of buying to be done in commodities. And so that's what I'm looking for to go forward from here. Yeah, you said something interesting before. I'm not going to be able to repeat it exactly, but you were talking about non-demand destruction. There is there is this element of the the sort of because I think that's when when people talk about uh, commodities catching up, it's a higher prices will be the you know the resolution or the solve the problem of higher prices because it's going to kill demand. That's the sort of scenario everyone leans back on. But you and others have been pointing out that there are these sort of chronic underinvestment problems, the sort of geopolitical shocks that we're dealing with. Should we be thinking about that? Is Are you suggesting that those will make it a little different that this time? And even if there is some demand destruction that happens, it's not going to rock inflation down because you've got these other forces that are pushing it up. Well, that's exactly right, Maggie. I don't, you know, I don't look at a slowdown in economic growth as putting the brakes on energy demand. A slowdown in economic growth means the economy isn't expanding at the rate that it was expanding at. So if we're going to see a slowdown in GDP, I'm not necessarily going to look for demand destruction in commodities when they're still trading as tight as they are. So they're so susceptible to an upside shock right now mm. that even a slight that just a slight pullback in economic activity probably isn't going to take a lot of value out of the price because people still don't have a place to go to source their diesel fuel, their distillates, jet fuel, gasoline, no matter what it is. Right. Right now, refineries are in charge because the margin that their clients are willing to pay is so great right now. So. Yeah. You know, that that's why I feel like this trade is going to pop out the upside rather than, you know, uh, pull back into support and test the downside, because I just feel like there's not enough commodities to go around right now. Demand is real and it's the supply side that's under attack. And with the supply side continually under attack, I don't know where we're going to get the supply of energy from. So this, this is yeah. a problem that's going to be with us and it's going to get much worse before it gets better. 
I think this is I think this is so important and that's why you know the the thing I love about the shows we do on Real Vision is that you get all of these different voices and can sort of take the time to dive down a little bit deeper deeper into them to sort of find out what's supporting that narrative so we can all think about it on a kind of more granular granular level um so it's probably important to ask time frame here, Tony, on what you're talking about, because in transition, sometimes, sometimes, you know, you don't always get a clear picture. That sort of supply pressure that you're really focused on, what kind of time frame are you putting on that? Or if you're in commodities, you know, when do you feel confident around that? And when would you want to take another look? Well, first of all, they would they would have to. Um, what's I guess encouraging at this point right now is that we're seeing we're seeing consolidation in other sectors of the commodity markets, right? We're seeing consolidation in grains. Um, they've backed off the highs since the economist pasted that sentiment signal right up on the screen there with the uh, the two skull the, 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 the string of skull uh, wheat shafts. You know, once they put that on the front cover, of the economist, the wheat the grain market backed off. The metals markets backed off um, quite a bit with that slowdown in China that we saw over the last several weeks. So while we've got two sectors of commodities backing off, we've still got the Bloomberg Commodity Index spinning its wheels at the highs because energy will absolutely not back off. So my fear is that if energy legs higher and drags the two other sectors that were consolidating back into bull trend mode, then we're going to pop out of the top side of this commodity consolidation and it's going to go to the next level, which is going to be somewhere around the Russia-Ukraine spike highs mm -hmm. in energy and commodities. So I've got a feeling that a test of that level is next over the next several weeks and we'll see what happens then. But we're still in a situation where there are no commodities available for sale right now with the bids that are wanted. So it's a really tricky situation to tell the timing of Maggie. Right. What seems clear is that there is no relief on the downside of commodity prices right now. There's just nobody that's going to come in and lay an enormous amount of supply of anything into the markets that is going to derail them right now. So that brings us perfectly to some questions we have coming in, Tony, and, and Paul from the exchange asking specifically about food. Uh, Tony, Russia's artillery is bombarding grain warehouses in Ukraine. There are warships in the Black Sea blockading Ukrainian ships full of wheat. And now news from Davos that WEF is predicting World Economic Forum is predicting a global food crisis and famines around the world. Do you believe this? And if so, what's the best way to trade this in your opinion? I think you just laid out where you how you feel about supplies, but what's the best way to trade this? Man, you know, Doomberg and I have been talking about this on Real Vision for months now. And so, yeah, I, I do see this coming. Um, clearly, the the mainstream media has pivoted to seeing it coming, right? They're, they're now warning. There's warnings all over the place of food shortages. Um, there was an article in the journal two weeks ago about pending um, electricity uh, blackouts around the country in, in various weak points. So, you know, it's pretty clear that that I feel like, you know, the government media complex knows very well what's going on. And they don't seem to be laying off the gas of any of the policies that are driving that situation. Right. We just had John Kerry on television a couple of days or, or maybe a week or so ago saying that we've got to actually pick up the pace of our transition to electric vehicles and pick up the pace of the transition to net zero. And he's not just talking about a couple of percent. 
he was talking about five and 20 times faster than we are now. Otherwise, this climate emergency is going to take over the planet and kill everybody. So as long as they're selling that bullshit, I got to I got to imagine that they're going to continue with the policies that are causing these issues. And until we see a reprieve there, we are in for rough sledding ahead. Yeah, Todd asked addressing this, but from a European standpoint, the UK slapped a 25% windfall profit tax on oil and gas companies today. The U.S. currently has similar legislation pending. What are the implications for energy stocks if all of this goes through? I think the, the implications are bullish. If I'm if I'm hearing that right, you know, um, Maggie, tell me tell me what what. I, I missed what went through again. Can you? Yeah. So, so Todd, and, and I haven't double checked this. Um, Todd for, said the UK slapped a 25% windfall profit tax right. on oil and gas companies today. Yeah. So, you all need to fact check that. I'm sure Todd's reliable, but yeah, but no, I that's that is, so. that, <laughs> so. that is the right, that's a correct headline that did come through. I just, it came over garbled when you said it. So, I couldn't yeah. understand for some reason. Um, all right. So what that that could be is, you know, that could be intermediate sh- bearish in the short term for the E&P companies. Right. If, if there's if they're going to slap a, a tax on them, obviously, their earnings per share is going to go right down. So that might take a small percentage out of what they're trading now. It's not going to change the story. You know, the, the government is really good, usually at managing the optics, but not fixing the core of the problem. And so slapping a tax on energy companies, um, writing a check to American citizens to pay for higher energy prices, all of that stuff just exacerbates the situation that we're in now. And at some point, we'll have a, a comeuppance for the government that continues to press these policies as we you know, slide into an absurdly inflationary situation here in America. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Avelino uh, asks on the exchange, uh, uranium, I'm going to do the second part of your question, Avelino, uranium, do you see adoption taking off with oil and gas at such high prices? What could be the factors that could trigger uranium? Is this a long-term play? I know there's been a lot of frustration around uranium. It's a super complicated trade. It's not my trade and it's never been my trade. I just find the uranium market is not transparent enough for me to follow and get a trading edge in like I can get a trading edge in WTI crude oil and natural gas and the grains and metals markets. Um, the uranium trade is tricky because you're betting on ESG failure, right? You're betting on um, the authorities having to turn around and source nuclear base load power. You're, you're betting on government officials having to literally tuck tail and apologize for what they've done in shutting nuclear reactors down and beg for forgiveness as they turn around to go open them back up so that people can either heat or cool their homes and so that they can control the price of food from spiraling out of control. So in a sense that I've never seen in a a politician go back on his word, apologize or reverse policy until they get kicked out of office, I don't expect an end to the ESG pressure. 
Now, that should be good for nuclear energy and uranium, but it be, has become a crowded trade, just like everything else. You know, Jared yeah. Dillian said more than once, there's too many assholes in the trade. And sure enough, it had to pull back from, call it 15 and Sprite Uranium Trust back to 11. Percentage-wise, that's a pretty big move if you're in the trade. So yeah. it's been tricky to navigate. It will continue to be. I think you got to have a small enough position that you can weather a lot of volatility and you've got to have a real belief that politicians are going to pivot, go back on what they've been doing and say, we were wrong. We need nukes now. I don't see it happening. John uh, K from the RV site uh, asking you to comment on copper. Was the recent sell off because China shut down or is this indicate an indicator of slowing uh, a slowing global economy? Also, please touch on long term supply demand dynamics for copper. Thank you. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know about long term supply demand dynamics. I'm not a biologist or anything like that. Let's talk about trading here. Um, so the story in copper. Yeah, he's got that dead right where it backed off with that um, China slowdown that we saw. It caught a bid immediately when the dollar turned, right? Dollar backed off its highs and copper and all the other metals sort of stopped going down, started consolidating, and then caught a bid. So we're seeing a little bit of that macro gyration there where just a little bit of a pullback in the dollar put some, ta uh, put some tailwinds into the metal sales. So what I think about copper on the downside is the same thing that I thought about it on the upside. Whereas at peak inflation expectations and at the strongest economic uh, picture that we've seen for the U.S. in a while, copper couldn't advance through 10K. For example, it had about eight or 10 false breakouts. I got caught up in about four of them and it never accelerated on the upside. And since it never accelerated on the upside, I'm going to gamble and say that it's not going to collapse on the downside when we see this China slowdown. And I think that the macro wheels are going to get back in motion and copper will probably be range bound, but maybe be a good investment to have for the for the second half of the year. If And that's kind of how I'm looking at it, if that's fair. Yeah, super fair. Uh, interesting uh, question here, Adam P from uh, the RV site. Tony, I remember how commodities were bid in 2008 and it collapsed all at once as markets struggled. Do you think this scenario is more likely than the continued stagflation we've been seeing? Uh, the buyer went away in 2008. The buyer finished buying commodities, walked away from the, from the ring, and all the commodities went back down to where they came from. Uh, the buyer I'm referring to is China. They, they accumulated all the metals they needed to float uh, these the, the ships that they've got out in the ocean and to build all the cities that they've got. And so they're sitting on all that metal and commodities now, and they didn't need to buy anymore. We are in a very different situation right now where the supply side is pretty strong. And as we've got, as we've gone, excuse me, the demand side is pretty strong. And as we've gone over a number of times, the supply side is under relentless attack. So that's been my argument for why it's different this time. And that's why I can stick with these commodity trades and buy them on the dip with confidence. Yo-Yo asking, I'm, I'm just going around the world on commodities here, Tony, because we you, people tune it in. They, 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 they want to get your thoughts on this. Where do you see natural gas, UNG? We, we are still seeing higher. Are we still seeing higher highs for Q4? Well, it's getting volatile because you're seeing buyers come into the market to try to store natural gas. You're seeing the price get away from them because there's not a lot in storage and there's not a lot of supply for people to lay out on the offer. 
And what happens is they buy natural gas up to a new high, and then they have to say, okay, there's not a lot for sale. We have to back off. And what happens is now you're seeing this volatility into higher prices where vol is expanding, the ranges are expanding. Um, it's getting a little bit more treacherous to trade. But the reality is, is that there are still a number of parties trying to store gas for the winter, as is evidenced by the natural gas curve. If you look at the natural gas curve from here to the end of the year, there's a huge premium placed on December natural gas, the winter month contract that everybody's trying to accumulate. And then it backs off after that into 2023, back towards normal conditions, but they're still elevated because we are at or below five-year averages of inventory in natural gas. So I, what am I seeing in natural gas? I'm seeing it trade into the teens and I'm seeing it be an extremely treacherous and volatile trade on the way there. Um, some of the some of the natural gas producers have broken out in some serious style this week. If you look at Southwestern Energy or Range Resources, um, those are the stocks driving XOP up 10% this week. And the charts are staggering. These charts are staggering. They look like they have so much upside that it's starting to get really exciting. So that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing more explosive type price action in a different form on different dates. Uh, Hef, I'm going to throw this one. We haven't talked about this in a while. Hef asking on the RV site, what are your thoughts on marijuana and MSOS potentially finding a bottom question mark? They don't show, They haven't shown signs of finding a bottom yet. Um, as I wrote today, the cannabis market is uh, literally coming off and like you can't give it away at the Peter Tosh smokeout in Kingston, Jamaica right now. <laughs> so I don't think it's a good idea. This isn't my kind of market to step in and catch um, a falling knife of a sector that is down 45% on the year. Mm -hmm. Because at this level, at this price level in sort of MSOS, for example, trading $14, this is where the thing could get cut in half with no problem at all. So while I, I think that there will be a day for cannabis stocks, this is not it. And this is not my business of, of this is not my way of buying them is, is would be, you know, picking bottoms like this. My way of buying them will be when they reverse and start proving to me that they can have days and weeks and months that they put up gains on the upside. This is not the situation right now. It's still as long as there is no institutional bid in these names, the downside is pretty scary. And and I know that's an area you watch closely, Tony. So fantastic to get I'm that. I'm really insight. positive on the business. It's just that they yeah. are not valuing the equities right now, and I am not a knife catcher. Yeah, I did one of those interviews. Yeah, <laughs> I I, and right. it was it was so interesting and fantastic. But you're right. This is an this is an aspect maybe when you have to separate the fundamentals of how you feel about the business long term. Sure and then do. The market, the market action, which, as you said, has just been so painful. Uh, I want to ask you this and kind of bring it back around. Um, look, Mano Brains, I laugh every time I ask a question from you. It's hilarious. Um, where do you is asking, where do you see S&P resistance levels in this bounce? Well, let me put it on the chart here so I can speak intelligently. I know it's a ways above the market, but I would say that, you know, um, I see resistance at the March lows of 41.50 or so in the S&P. So that's about 100 points higher than here. And then about 100 points higher than that, you've got you start with the moving averages from the 50 day at 42.77 up to the 200 day at 4400 or so. And that is definitely an area that I would lay out um, 
you know, any length that I purchased on this dip looking for a retracement rally, certainly. Fantastic. Great stuff. Tony, I can never get over how much ground we cover in the in the daily briefing when we have you on, but it, it's absolutely fantastic as you watch awesome. some of these commodity markets. And, you know, you have to have the experience to understand how they move. So it's so helpful, super helpful. Um, thanks so much. As always, great That's to great. see you. Have a wonderful holiday weekend. Um, for all of you, uh, we're not there yet, though. And, you know, you got to stay plugged in on these kind of weeks because Friday headed into a holiday weekend. Who knows what's going to happen? But lucky for us, Andres Stano Larson will be back here tomorrow with Rao Powell live. So be sure to join us and bring all your questions. Uh, in the meantime, take care and good luck out there. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.